this week on Starting Advantage. Public relations is a subset of marketing that is a force multiplier for your overall marketing. So actually PR is not, absolutely not, the first thing that your company would invest in, throw money at, unless you've got Zuckerberg money. Once you've got some traction, you've got some money, either from revenue, or someone like Zuckerberg has come along and thrown lots of money at your company because you've got an awesome idea. Now you can throw money at PR. And this is gonna be the force multiplier. It's the pouring gas on the fire that you've already lit and helping you scale up quicker. This is your starting advantage, where first-time entrepreneurs gain encouraging insights on their strategies, habits, and mindsets of successful entrepreneurs. You'll hear powerful insights that you can apply in your own journey. And it's about having the guts to actually do it. You know, I mean, all the planning in the world doesn't uh, solve for not taking action. So once you have that clarity and you can get dialed in on that day-to-day progress, that's where the magic can happen. You want to position yourself as a trusted solution partner for your customer base so that when they need something that you're in the arena of providing, you're who they think of. Because every first-time founder needs the advantage of having guidance in the early stages of building their business. You can follow Starting Advantage for free on your favorite podcast player at startingadvantage.com. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Welcome to Starting Advantage. This is episode 39 and I'm your host, Tanya. This week, we have a public relations expert on the podcast, Jonathan Marvey. I invited Jonathan because PR is often one of the last things we're thinking of as we're starting our businesses. It's a powerful tool as part of your marketing strategy to help you get the word out about your business and the value that you have to offer or that exciting project that you're working on. I also invited him because we have a lot in common. We're both former journalists. He's also extremely encouraging. He's excellent at simplifying concepts and breaking down to-dos to the basic steps. Jonathan is the founder and CEO of MindMelt PR, a public relations agency in Vancouver, BC, in Canada. And as an ex-reporter covering the tech scene, he learned the craft of storytelling. Now in PR, Jonathan and his team use those skills to earn media coverage for innovative tech companies. This episode is for you if you're interested in learning more about PR, the why, how, when, whether you're in the tech industry or not. You'll also learn how to think about the use of it for your business, and you'll understand more about why it's a long-term strategy. You'll especially gain a lot from today's episode. If the concept of PR is new to you, or you feel a bit fuzzy about what it exactly looks like for a startup, you'll hear Jonathan speak about the difference between marketing, advertising, and PR, and he'll share what you can do to help your business to stand out whether you have a budget for PR right now or not. At the end of this episode, I want you to feel encouraged that you can get into the heads of your ideal consumers and grow faster through PR strategies, whether you have the budget 
to hire a PR firm right now or not? Let's welcome him. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to Starting Advantage. Thank you so much for being here today. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Jonathan, you founded your public relations agency, MindMelt PR, in 2019. And I love your sense of humility and humor about your journey. Despite having had a very successful career, you describe yourself as a failed journalist as you weren't in the top 1% of journalists that get book deals. Was there a defining moment that made you decide that it's time to start your own business or that made you think, I want to go into entrepreneurship? This is such a great question. And I'm I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be able to relate in that some people are born entrepreneurs. That is what they wanted to become. Some of us are forced into it. I would put myself in the latter camp. I've certainly tried working in-house. I enjoy working with people on teams, but I just find it so much more meaningful, interesting, rewarding to be running the show, not doing everything myself, because you cannot be an entrepreneur and do that. You need people. People are the thing that makes life worth living and makes your business worth something to whether it's your customers or investors. So Long story short, my path has been a bit meandering. I started off as a journalist. I put those skills to work in marketing as well when I found I could make a buck at it. So working both in-house and on my own. And then ultimately founding the MindMeld PR agency, I've been able to put those skills to work in a way that I feel that makes good use of my talents. And, and I'm also able to mentor those around me to increase their skills and provide value for our our clients. And sorry if that's a bit of a rambling answer, but I guess that's my style. I've rambled into this agency (laughs) business that seems to be working. Mm, I love how in your answer, you share about you can't do it without people. You mentioned having people support you along the way, as well as you supporting others. Did you have key people in your life that you started this entrepreneurial journey with? Or were you very much on your own when you started out? I understood at the founding of my agency that, and this was really based off of several earlier efforts to get this off the ground, that I simply could not do everything myself. And I think this is something that unfortunately some people have to learn for themselves. But I recognized early on that, number one, I could focus on doing some of the client work, or I could focus on putting my skills towards actually building the business, scaling it up, using my network, using the skills that I know. I've got marketing skills, so I can bring in the leads and I can sell if I can get people on a call. So I've got those skills. But of course, then if I'm throwing all my time into that, I need people who can service the clients, make sure that they're providing value. I recognize I needed a team. Number two, there was one person in particular who has been a friend to me over the years. He gave me my first role in marketing many years ago. And as it turned out, he was my PR's first client. And he's sort of a renaissance man of technology where he has a great understanding of a number of different kinds of technologies. And he's always juggling a bunch of different kinds of businesses. It's been my pleasure and frankly, it's very lucky of me to know this person who's been able to help me understand how technology works, more importantly, 
what it provides, how in terms of benefits, and also from a business standpoint, just how do you talk to people about technology? This has been a key relationship for me that's helped me to build the business. It sounds like they took on a type of a mentor role for you. So that's very inspiring to hear that. Jonathan, you've shared that MindMelt in the name of your company, MindMelt PR, is actually a Star Trek reference. How did you come up with this idea and what inspired you to use that to name your company? I'm so glad you asked this question. <laughs> so number one, I was honestly surprised that MindMeld was not already trademarked by the folks who mm. uh, created Star Trek. Whether you've seen the show or not, there's a certain sort of mental power that one of the aliens has on the show, the mind meld, where they can go up to another person and just put their hand on the person's face and say, my mind to your mind, my thoughts to your thoughts, and instantly you've created this sort of hive mind of instant communication. They know what you know, you know what they know, and it's just a way easier way to communicate. You've got the whole life story in an instant. From a metaphorical standpoint, it works very well because for us to reach out to media and tell the stories of the companies that we work with, we need to understand those companies and the founders who built those companies on a very deep level. So that's what that gets across now. For our target demographic as well, we work exclusively with innovative tech companies. So there's that idea of Star Trek is a place, it's in the future where high technology is possible. And frankly, some of the clients that we've worked with, some of them are old enough, like me, to remember <laughs> the original show. And long story short is it just summed up in many ways what we wanted to say about this company in two words. Yeah, it's very smart branding. I think there's also a lot of young people that are big Star Trek fans. All of the PR and marketing that your agency does is focused around innovation. Was this a conscious strategic decision that you made when you started your company? Or did this just naturally happen because of the nature of the tech industry? Because you do work with tech companies specifically. The short way to answer this is, number one, if you're going to start any kind of business, you really do have to target well. What is the niche you're going after? As my friend in the marketing space, Jordan Behan, likes to say, focus first on boiling a pail of water as opposed to the entire ocean. And then once you've done that, you can start targeting other areas. Actually, if I was a smarter person, I would have targeted even on a more fine level or PR for AI companies, or PR for fintech companies, or something like that. But I decided to go a little bit wider. And you've guessed the reason why I focused on really techy, innovative companies, whether they're fintech, AI, or clean tech. That was my background. As a journalist, I was reporting on tech companies, and I'm interested in the space. And so there's, from that standpoint, I get this space and I think it's a bit unusual. I think that a lot of marketing and PR professionals, for whatever reason, they see consumer products and events as an easier way to build a business is, is around those kinds of companies. But I find it harder. My hats are off to the people who are, let's say the PR person who works for Lululemon 
I don't know how to pitch yoga pants and make that exciting. My hat's off to them and, and so fantastic mm. for them. Yeah, I think that's so smart to use your background, use what you have that can give you a competitive advantage. So Jonathan, many of the people listening today, they're brand new to the entrepreneurial space. They're uh, learning as they're going. They don't know what they don't know yet. And I think if you stop 10 random people on the street and you ask them what their idea of public relations is, they'll probably come up with something like it's a communication or a strategy. But since you're the expert and we have time with you, how would you describe public relations to somebody so that they have a clear idea of what it involves? The way you described it right now really is a good fit more broadly. The way we do it, like really my Mel PR is about 90% of it is media relations. And that really falls into, say, three buckets of service. So number one is proactive PR. That's traditional media relations of crafting a story, creating a media list, doing persistent outreach, and just bugging journalists with a good idea or what I think is a good idea. And hopefully they write a story. And the second is reactive PR, where we're seeing opportunities. We have ways of seeing what stories reporters are working on before it actually goes live. And so we'll try to get our clients in front of those opportunities. And then finally, thought leadership development, which I don't like to call it ghostwriting because that sort of makes it sound like we're putting words in our clients' mouths. You've seen those kinds of articles where a founder talks about, oh, we started this company and we had a great, great idea and we got some traction. And then all of a sudden things were not working. And then we had to try this and try that. And here's what we learned and here's what worked and here's what could work for you. I love those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love them too. In fact, I love them so much that we write those. So we'll interview our clients and very often all we're doing is really transcribing their thoughts and editing them. And we're helping their big ideas to get in front of a big audience. Mm -hmm. For those who are still a little bit fuzzy on what's the business benefit. So this really comes down to credibility. It's being able to throw those logos onto your website of as seen in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Globe and Mail, Wall Street Journal, et cetera, or into your newsletter or into your social media. And then you've got differentiation from your competition. And this helps you to create that thin edge of the wedge. So you've got a competitive edge that either lets you upscale your clients or get new investment, whatever you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing is that it is something that adds credibility to your business and to you as a founder, as well as helping to spread the word about your business. But Jonathan, what is the difference then between marketing and advertising and PR? Fantastic question. I would separate it out like this. Think of marketing as the broad category that actually includes all of that, advertising and PR. Public relations is a subset of marketing that is a force multiplier for your overall marketing. So actually, PR is not, absolutely not, the first thing that your company would invest in, throw money at, unless you've mm -hmm. got Zuckerberg money. What you do is you create your marketing channels, your inbound, outbound. If you want to do this organically, You'll develop website content that is search engine optimized so that people can find you on Google. If you don't have the time and patience for that, maybe you're going to throw money at advertising, whether that's digital advertising or TV ads. 
and you'll get people maybe to your website or just they'll call your business. And so you, you've got these inbound and outbound marketing channels to create leads turn into sales. Fantastic. Once you've got some traction, you've got some money, either from revenue or someone like Zuckerberg has come along and thrown lots of money at your company because you've got an awesome idea. <laughs> now you can throw money at PR. And this is going to be the force multiplier. It's the pouring gas on the fire that you've already lit and helping you scale up quicker. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love the visual of that, of a fire, like pouring mm. fuel onto it. Mm. But then how does social media fit in with this whole strategy? Social media is uh, one of those marketing activities that gets your brand in front of the eyeballs that you want, whether that's on LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook. You have to be strategic about the channels where you're going to throw your messaging. And so think of it as these are the hooks that you're throwing out into the world to get people typically to get them back to your website, to a particular landing page so that they'll take some kind of action, usually to buy something, but maybe it's to sign up for your newsletter. And so your social media presence is really, think of it like an avatar or it's your other personas in the universe that enable you to say hello simultaneously to many people. And the way this would work with PR, with media relations in particular, is let's say you get that media hit. So there's a, a story about your founder of an innovative, cool company that's got this widget that, let's say, improves sales for companies all over 300% just by pressing a button on your widget. And so you've got that amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And so you've got a story and you've just been featured in Forbes. Well, you're going to throw that link to that news story into your social media. You're going to talk a little bit about it. You're going to mention that news hit, just like you would throw it into your newsletter, onto your website. So wherever you've got a social media presence, you want to get those media wins onto your social media because that boosts your credibility. Mm, so connecting it all together. Yeah. So Jonathan, PR is a lot about storytelling, telling the stories of the business and the founder. So how do you go about choosing the angles for the story that you want to pitch? I love this question because this goes in with the name of the company, MindMeld PR. So we try to get into the heads of the people that we're working with. And very often we're working with people who really set out to change the world. They have big ideas. And often before they would go to hire a PR company like, like ours, they already have ideas. The most basic stories would be things like, hey, we got this funding, a couple million bucks, and we're going to do this exciting thing with it. And that's a great story. It's a story of, about jobs. It's a, a story about scaling up and being successful. And where do we go with the next level? What's happening in the future? So that's one kind of story that they might have reason to hire us. Another story would be, say, product launch. You've got a new product or service first on the market. It's bleeding edge technology, and it does this thing that no one has ever seen before. And you want to get that story out because you want first mover advantage. You want because it, it, it does no good if you've built this thing that is so amazing and no one knows about it. So you might hire us for that story. And we would come in and we're not just going to ask you to please spoon feed us your idea. And we're just going to <laughs> copy that idea and, and throw it all over the Internet. We're a creative bunch. So. We'll riff on that idea. We'll come up with new ideas. Have you thought about this? What about this angle? 
What about for this industry that you haven't yet targeted, but certainly you could, when we're creating stories first, where we're doing the research to find out what ideas does the company have, then we'll throw in our own ideas, throw it all into a mix and say, okay, and here's our audience for any story that we'll be working on. We'll probably have a number of audiences, minimum three, often as many as seven or eight. So Mm -hmm. for example, a health tech company that's got, let's say a medical device company, there might be a science angle, a health angle, health tech angle, general business consumer angle, a founder's story angle. There's probably seven, eight different segments that we would look at. And knowing what audience might be receptive to the story helps us craft different stories. That sounds so true. All the entrepreneurs that I know myself as well, always full of ideas. (laughs) So it sounds helpful to have somebody that you can soundboard with and that can guide you on what the best approach is to take. What advice do you have for a business owner that can't afford this type of expense yet or they're not quite ready? What can they do right now to make their business stand out? Okay, I'm going to do a little bit of a plug in that I'm going to say there are options, packages available, more of a custom short-term kind of an engagement that I won't go into the details here because I'm not here to sell. But (laughs) let's say you're a small team, maybe you've just got some seed funding and you're not quite ready. Sure, you're not ready to hire a PR firm. You think you can handle it yourself. It's going to be an investment of time and effort, but here is what you will do. You will come up with Just like with your product, if you're a startup, you're looking for your MVP, your minimum viable product. It's kind of like that with story crafting. What is the easiest story we can create that's actually going to provide some value? So think of the reporters that you're targeting as your target customer. So what is the value that you're going to provide that is going to be, they can't say no to that. It's just, this is a story that, oh, it's going to be a win-win for them. You're thinking of that, you're crafting stories that are not just interesting to you, it's interesting to them. How do you know what they're going to be interested in? Just like with building products and services for customers, you have to do your research. You're going to have to figure out, okay, what publications and what reporters specifically might be interested in talking to me. So you're going to do what really anyone would do if they need to research anything. You're going to go on Google or maybe DuckGo if you're not a fan of Google, but (laughs) you're going to start searching the internet and uh, looking up, okay, what's the latest news? And and you're plugging in keywords or search terms for this is the industry, this is the kind of product, who's covered stuff that's similar to what you're about to put out. Again, knowing the audience helps you determine what story might be relevant to them. You'll put together a media list and then you're going to pitch them. And I know that a lot of PR companies will try to sell their services on the basis of, we've got the relationships, we know the reporters, and that's that's how we open the doors, and that's how we get opportunities. And you might be thinking, I don't have, I don't have relationships with reporters because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a founder, and I'm busy building the business. And hey, that's fine. We don't actually get most of our opportunities from relationships either. We're not best friends with 150 reporters. What we do is just like what you will do, craft a cool story, select the right audience, pitch them with something that you've got a headline or, or a subject line that could double as a headline in your first paragraph or two, you've outlined, this is the story and this is 
why it's a, a good fit for you. Maybe throw in a little bit of flattery for that reporter. <laughs> really like this story you wrote. Flattery always helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works. It works. It opens doors. But then follow up the flattery with the actual thing that they need. If you provide enough detail so that they don't have to go searching all over the internet, they can pretty much read what you wrote and say, okay, I've come to a decision. This is a story I want to cover. You can do it yourself. It's a lot of work if you want results and you want them month after month after month. I believe that. Yeah. I admire self-starters. I admire bootstrappers. Very often our clients are people who started out as bootstrappers. They got organic growth and now they're looking to, as I said before, pour gas on that fire. So we know that trust in the media is at an all-time low. And then part of PR is about getting the story of a business into the media. Why do you believe PR remains an effective strategy despite this trend to mistrust what we're seeing in the news and online? This is such a great question, and it's one that I have not shied away from. I'm as skeptical as anyone, probably more than most. The journalism background, right? Exactly. I've seen how the sausage is made, and once you've done that, you cannot unsee it. I've also seen some major changes in how journalism is done. There's always been bias and narrative building in the media. That's always been the case. The change today is actually just that you get news organizations that by their branding, they would suggest that they're playing it straight down the middle. Where You might get the impression, oh, this is objective news. What I would want to see is if, if you're a media organization, you can just say, hey, we cover events from this angle and that's what we do. And everybody knows that and everyone's fine. And some organizations do that. So the question is really, as a PR person, does this impact what we do? Absolutely, in the sense that we have to be on guard for what would a reader say? How might a reader be skeptical about this? So how can we prove what we're saying or what kind of data can we bring to the table so it doesn't appear to be spin? I know social media seems like it has taken over and everyone talks about Twitter, but The truth is everyone is still reading news from the big outlets. And very often, if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook, you're still reading the Wall Street Journal, you're still reading The Economist or your local, say, the Vancouver Sun. And it's just you're getting it through that other app. But the big media players still have tons of presence. Yes. And I love how it connects with what you've mentioned earlier about doing research. So making sure that the publications you use, you've researched them, you know how uh, users think about those publications and seeing if your business values align with the values of the platforms you choose. Yeah, I just wanted to add one thing is that this shift from the big players in the media to alternative media actually opens up more opportunities. So it's now no longer just New York Times or nothing. If you're a founder of a, of a startup, if you're getting quoted in a, a blog that gets, say, 100,000 or half a million readers or a podcast that has an audience that keeps coming back, or even if it's a small audience, but it's getting in front of exactly the eyeballs that you want because it's a hyper niche site that everyone knows to go to for this particular kind of news, you want to get into that. And that's often better than getting into the Globe and Mail or in Time Magazine. 
I love that a shift in perspective. It's all right to start smaller because the impact can be big. Jonathan, you're the host of the podcast, The Future Of, where you have conversations about the future of innovation, culture and politics. I'll make sure to share the link in the show notes. But so since I know that you like to dabble in futurism, I want to ask you, what do you predict for the future of PR post-pandemic and beyond? Do you think there will be big changes in the future? So this is a question I've thought about quite a bit. As someone who runs a PR firm, how do we do things? How can we do things differently? How are companies going to be doing things differently? I think just like with other industries, there's going to be a greater and greater reliance on technology as a force multiplier. So for example, we use software that gives us access to a global database of about a million reporters. It enables us to quickly whittle down and search and create lists of reporters who we think would be a good fit for the story. There's actually a number of services out there. So the future of PR is going to be, let's say, AI-powered versions of that that just are more effective and frankly, more accurate than maybe the software we're using. That sounds exciting. So more tools, more resources, more effective strategies based on data. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. To the extent that you can use services to make things more efficient, great. But if I can hire someone who's just naturally a gifted writer, who is inquisitive, curious, and is often looking at stories and building storylines, not just based off of what they know, and this looks like a good argument, and I can build this like Lego blocks. But if this person can also think in terms of how could this be wrong? How can I get ahead of that? And what information can we provide to make this as solid and valuable uh, a story or a pitch for a reporter as possible? If I can hire that kind of person, then you know, an AI, an, an app that improves our effectiveness, it's great, but it's, it's about the people you work with. Yeah, you still need the human. You do have a lot of experience and knowledge on how to manage relationships. So how do you approach conversations so that you get to that place of being on the same wavelength as your clients or their mind meld, as you like to call it? The first I will say, which is probably not going to be that big a surprise to your audience of budding entrepreneurs or maybe experienced entrepreneurs, is you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. I prefer to do the opposite, where I'll set expectations. For instance, if I were to hire a PR firm, what even kind of result could I expect? How many media hits would that translate into? And so for us, we'll routinely get four or five media hits for a client in a slow month. Like there's no funding round, there's no product launch, there's nothing happening with this company and we'll get four or five hits. If there's some major news going on, maybe we'll get 15 hits that month. And that could be a range of newspapers, magazines, what have you. So it, you do have to sort of set those expectations in advance as, as a PR firm because when you don't do it properly, and I really do try to be as transparent as I can about, we can give you this, maybe you'll <laughs> get this, it'd be nice to get this, this takes some time. And despite that, you know, I'm, I'm very careful that way. I have run into situations where, you know, you get this, what, what I called a New York Times or nothing mentality, and three weeks into an engagement, 
And the client is like, uh, hey, I'm not famous yet. And uh, it's like, whoa, okay, okay. Well, look, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you can expect. We've discussed this. And at that point, it's not a question of blaming a customer. Because if, if I've done a poor job of setting my expectations, I'm setting myself up for failure. Those harsh moments that fortunately are quite rare, when they do happen, it's really, these are, are times to investigate, to look inward and think, okay, what did I get wrong? What did I miss here? What did I not say? And what can I do differently next time? Because the journey of entrepreneurship is really a journey of, you know, you're not going from one success to another. It's you're trying a bunch of things at the same time and some things work and some things don't. And you're always looking at, okay, well, what worked and really what didn't work? And did it not work because everything connected to this idea is terrible? Or did we just execute it incorrectly? The culture at MindMeld PR, our team is very focused on learning. What worked? What didn't? What can we do differently? I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's definitely a learning curve. Every entrepreneur will go through that process. But you did mention that you and your team focus on learning. Do you have specific sessions where you just get together and share experiences you've had with clients? Or how do you make sure that there's a system or a process to deal with potential challenging clients? So because we're often doing a bunch of different things, we find time for that learning in morning huddles. So in the morning, we're talking about, okay, here's what we have to do today. And do we learn something yesterday that we can apply to the thing that we're doing today? It's very much talking about current activities and reviewing what has happened. And then also the moments where we're compiling reports for our clients about, okay, this is what we did this month. And these are good moments to look at, okay, did we get all the results we could have gotten? Or what could we have done differently? Very often, sort of midweek, there will be a meeting. And it doesn't have to be a, a long meeting. 15 minutes is plenty. If, let's say, we've discovered a new app that helps us do our jobs better or a website that gives us all of the information we wanted to achieve a particular goal, we'll share this. And this is what I learned. And this is how I would use this. And this is how I would not use this. So a lot of the learning is very tactical. And, and, and then at the end of the week, we also have our check-in of, again, what was our big learning of the week? Maybe not just one thing. Maybe it was a few things that we learned about how we do things or about how our clients are interacting. And it's very much using and reusing curricula. It's more about what did we actually do with clients? What are we doing? What are we planning to do? And then what do we need to know? to do our jobs better. It's just, it's always part of what we're doing. It sounds like you have excellent communication within your team, having those daily as well as weekly meetups. Over the years, you've had some incredibly interesting conversations with successful tech entrepreneurs. What have you learned about the entrepreneurial spirit from interviewing some of these very innovative thought leaders? If I forced you, <laughs> which I know is a very hard thing for me to ask, but if I forced you to share one or two key takeaways, what would you say? The through lines that I often see for successful entrepreneurs that I'm dealing with or just that I, I observe in the technology space is 
they're trying many, many things and, and they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and then seeing what sticks. And then when that thing sticks, they look very, very carefully at it. Is this something we can scale up? Because it's not just getting one thing right. It's seeing how you can keep doing that, replicating that. And so it's testing, iteration constantly. Very, very few people succeed at the very beginning. For those who succeed right away, good for you. For those of us who, you know, had to take a few kicks at the can (laughs) to get things rolling, hey, you know, persistence pays off, creativity, trying things, and also being, I I don't want to say merciless with yourself, but very honest with yourself about where things have maybe gone off the rails and how you can fix things, how you can improve. You have to be introspective. That is very encouraging and very thoughtful. I agree with you. It's very few people who get it right, right from the start. Jonathan, how can people learn about your PR packages or connect with you? I'm so glad you asked. So the website is mindmeldpr.com. MindMeldPR is in Vancouver, but we serve clients in the U.S. and Canada. You can also find MindMeldPR on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. We are everywhere. Thank you so much for joining us on Starting Advantage, Jonathan, for all the advice you shared. We really appreciate your time with us today. Anya, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. What do you think of the conversation we just had with Jonathan? The thoughts that I want to leave with you as we're wrapping up is that throughout the conversation we had with him, he really illustrated the mindset and approach that he has towards doing business and creating business. And it's something I want to emphasize for you because I believe this is one of the keys to success, is humility and ability to learn from failures. Did you hear when Jonathan spoke about that experience he had and how he learned to set clear expectations for his clients? Did you hear the emotion and humility in his voice? Did you hear it? That's an excellent mindset to emulate, no matter what type of business you do, but especially for service-based businesses. I also have an activity suggestion that I want to leave with you. First, I want you to ask yourself if you're at a stage with your business that you're ready for public relations or if you're not quite there yet. If you feel ready, I want you to start thinking about if you should hire a PR firm or if you have enough time and the confidence to take it on yourself and then identify a first step to take to get started. If you're not at a stage where you're quite ready, what one other thing that Jonathan spoke about can you incorporate into your business? Do you need to connect more with your team or do you need to connect more closely and have mind melts with your clients? Do you need to work on creating the right expectations? Or do you want to relook at your marketing strategy while keeping in mind what we spoke about? about how PR fits into that strategy. I hope you've gained new perspectives and a different way of thinking about what you are doing. Pick one thing and commit to doing that. You only need one clear action step, a next step to make progress. But you do need to take action to get results. 
So it's important to have something that you decide that you want to work on. I hope that you feel encouraged that you can get into the heads of your consumers and grow faster through PR strategies, whether you have the budget to hire a PR firm or not. If this episode helped you, leave us a review so that somebody who's browsing can see what they can expect from the podcast and how it will help them to move forward. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Starting Advantage podcast with me, Tanya. Please remember that the information in this podcast was made with much care, love and thoughtfulness to inspire and support you with encouraging insights. It's for educational and informational purposes. So I always do recommend that while you can use what you hear on this episode as sparks of inspiration that can get you to take action and get results, it should not be a substitute for professional advice, especially if your situation is complex and requires it.